Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. When Pastor Corey was sharing on the 12 ways of giving, I couldn't help but think about um, how that's the way people are introduced to a powerful encounter with Christ. Over time, it might be a meal, it might be a piece of clothing, it might just be a song, uh, visiting a nursing home. It, it can come a lot of different ways because somehow when we meet people at a time of need, um, it's a wide open door for them to be introduced to Jesus. I mean, just think for a moment how you came to Christ. Think for a moment uh, where you were when someone introduced you. And it might not have been a straight up introduction. You know, for instance, the, the, the title of a sermon today, and sometimes I'm really you know, carefree about the titles. That doesn't mean I don't care. I just, I know my point, and sometimes it's in the title, and sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes the title can just be Jesus. But today, I'm really excited because it says, you are invited. There's an invitation to the Incarnation. But sometimes you don't just get an invitation that looks like an invitation. Sometimes you realize, looking backward, that what you were going through was the invitation. That you, what you were experiencing was the invitation. And I, I pray that through this 12 ways of giving, people are going to look back and realize that that was how I was invited to meet the Savior. That was how uh, it, that bridge began to build that I found Jesus. Uh, that's what I'm talking about this morning. How God somehow uses different things in different ways. Don't, don't you wish that when God uh, invited you to know him, don't you sort of wish sometimes that it would just been a really nice card in the mail? And you would have opened it up and it said, from, you know, it's almost like getting a tweet from the president. Or, or not. Right? You know, he seems to tweet everybody, right? On the flip side, I wonder what it would be like to, to get a personal invitation from God to the fact that his son has come. Now, when we celebrate Christmas today, um, the reality is that he's already come. But I read a powerful reality this last week. You cannot celebrate the resurrection without celebrating the manger. See, he didn't just come and die on a cross. He, he came as you and I. God became flesh. We talked about that in our 9 o'clock class with Dr. Bucci. First John tells us, chapter 5, God is a testimony. He testifies of the fact that Jesus Christ is born of water and the blood. Now, I say that because when we look at the Gospels, and, and this isn't on the PowerPoint, but when we look at the Gospels, as we will in just a moment, there are several different people that I, I want to see the interesting way how they were introduced to go find this Christ child. Because I just, there's a part of me this morning that what I want to get across in this message is that God uses everything in your life to point you to Jesus. That's why we have the passage that says, He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And some of us are praying, Lord, get me out of this mess. And it's the mess he's using to point you to him. 
It's the stuff you're going through that's pointing you to Jesus. How many just want to, just pastor, I just want to be delivered. That's all I want to do is just be delivered. I just want to be set free. I, I just don't want to go through this anymore. The reality is, I believe sometimes, I'll speak for myself on this. God doesn't deliver me when I want to because he knows I'm not really delivered yet. There's some stuff going on inside that that's what he's trying to deal with because me getting to a different level, you can do that with strategic planning, but I can still be on the same place here. You can move to a lot of different places, but nothing really changed on the inside. And what I believe God is trying to show us this morning is not that he really was born. We celebrate Christmas. We believe that he was born. But it's what are the signs, what are the invitations he gives us for us to realize there has been an incarnation? Galatians says it like this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. When the fullness of time had come. Fullness of time really means a few things in the New Testament passage there. Many theologians will say the fullness of time meant that Rome had a steady and a firm grip on pretty much of the known world. So there was peace. There, there was opportunity for the word to, to be shed abroad. Many will, will say that it's because of the transportation. Because getting from place to place was easier than it had ever been in history. Some would say because of the Roman oppression on the Jewish believer that uh, the Jews were hungry. We talked about this last week. The Jews were hungry for a Messiah. So they were looking for a Messiah. So in the fullness of time, and we, we, can, we can say it was a lot of those things, but here's how I believe. God does what God does when God does it. That was deep. God, God's sovereign. God's going to do what he does when he does it. We can try to figure him out, but there's a lot of conversations we'll have with God when we get to heaven. But trying to figure them all out here is not my concern. What I do know is he has come. Now here's one thing about the New Testament Gospels. We're going to look at Matthew in just a moment and Luke <laughs> at the birth of Christ. But well, one thing you need to know about the Gospels very quickly, only two of them talk about the birth of Christ. And Matthew talks about it from the perspective of, he's speaking to the Jewish uh, community, and he's speaking from the perspective of the genealogies of Christ, going back to Abraham. Because it's very important for Matthew to help the Jewish believer understand this is why you can believe he's the Messiah. His lineage goes back to the king of David, back to Abraham. Okay, and we'll get on that in a moment. But Luke speaks to more of a universal crowd, more of, of a, a Greek international crowd, if you will. So he's not so much concerned about the lineage of Jesus as much he is the miracle of the fact that God would even come to man. Now, why is this important? Well, let's just talk about Matthew for a minute. <clears throat> I want you to picture in your mind this, this man that when Jesus comes... And Jesus is walking, and he approaches this small little village, and he, before he even calls Matthew, he heals this man. They bring this man, this paralytic, to, to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody is taken aback, and, and Jesus said, what, 
What's more difficult for me to say your sins are forgiven or to rise up and walk? To prove to you that I have the authority to forgive your sins, take up your bed and walk. And the man gets up and walks. Now Matthew, the tax collector, is still sitting off to the side and his jaw drops. But then Jesus walks over to him and says, Matthew, follow me. Now just get this picture in your mind for just a moment because so, we sort of only know Matthew from the disciple perspective. But before Matthew was a follower of Christ, he was a tax collector. I don't get offended anybody. <clears throat> That's almost like sometimes in our culture when we talk about lawyers. Can I get an amen? Or if somebody works for the IRS, can I get an amen? Now, if you work for the IRS, we love you. Yeah. 98% of us love you. Jesus loves you. And we're praying for the other 2%, amen? Now, <clears throat> here's, here's what's happening, though. Jesus goes to this guy that everybody hates, and he points to this guy that everybody despises and says, you, you follow me. He goes to the least and says, you follow me. Which makes everybody who thinks they deserve to be invited mad but where does he go he goes straight to Matthew's house we don't read this in the passage but you got to be thinking he's telling Matthew bring some people with you let's go follow me well who does he bring more tax collectors I mean because when you're a tax collector and everybody hates you you only hang out with a few people more tax collectors and the way the scripture describes it Tax collectors and sinners. That's the same group they were put in. <laughs> so they're all standing and they're seated around Matthew's house with other tax collectors and sinners. And a few of the crowd, they're, they're just sort of taken aback by this. And a few of the crowd says, wait a minute, why, why does he do that? Speaking to a few of his disciples. I can even picture it in my mind. Because they won't, they won't go there. They won't even go in the house because, God forbid, they touch something. Then they got to go through the whole getting clean ritual. So they're standing on the outside looking in. Do you ever feel like you're standing on the outside looking in at what Jesus is doing? They're standing on the outside looking in. And a few disciples get called. And why, why is he doing that? Now listen, here's Jesus steps back in Matthew chapter 9. He says this, I have not come for the healthy. I've come for the lost. Now there's, there's two phrases there that are very important. I have not come for the healthy. I have come for the lost. Now here's what's important. I have come. I'm here. Now, why is that important? Because Matthew, now, now obviously at this point, Matthew has not written Matthew yet. It doesn't get written for about another 90 years. But I can almost in my mind picture Matthew writing Matthew thinking, this is going to be hilarious. When, when the Jewish believers understand that the lineage went back like it does and Jesus picked people like he does, now why is that important? When you read the first chapter of Matthew, you'll see that even when he was writing out the lineage of Jesus going back to David and going back to Abraham, lineage was important. Any writer of history, anyone who would write history would want their version of history told. 
If I'm trying to prove a point, I want to make sure I'm telling the story I want you to know. So for Matthew to write the lineage, and he includes people like Tamar. First of all, you wouldn't write a lineage to the Jewish believer and include women anyway. Sorry, ladies. You, you, it's just, it's not necessary. They would say, just tell us who the dad is. Just tell us who the, who the, the, the person who's responsible is. But he makes it a very personal and a very intentional fact to include the fact there was a Tamar. Who was Tamar? Very quickly. I'm not even on my sermon yet. Who was Tamar? Uh, Tamar was daughter-in-law of Judah. And Judah finally just said, you know, enough's enough, go. My sons have died. My youngest son's too young to marry. Go pretend you're a widow for a few years, and when he's old enough, we'll see what happens there. She says in her mind, I'm, there's no way. So she pretends to be a harlot and sleeps with Judah and then deceives him and then cons him. And she gets included in the lineage. Now, do I have to be bad to go to heaven? That's not what I'm talking about. It's the fact that even proving that he is the Christ, Matthew points back to brokenness. Another person that gets mentioned is a person by the name of Rahab. Remember when we talked about Jericho and we talked about Rahab when the spies went into the city, the two spies, and they stayed with Rahab and she was a prostitute. We talked about uh, Ruth is brought up. Now, the reason Ruth is even brought up is not because she was involved in illicit affairs or sex or a prostitute. She was just a heathen. She was from another country, and God brought her in. And then we get to King David. I love how the Scripture says, and King David had Solomon from the wife of Uriah. Now think about that for a second. I know he had to be writing this, wait till they read this. Because they all knew, they knew the history, they knew the importance of lineage. They, they knew that when they got to the part of, they didn't even mention the name Bathsheba. And David had Solomon with the wife of Uriah. That was all code for, he had an affair, then killed her husband. Okay. Now this is the lineage. 14 generations from, from um, Abraham to David. 14 generations from David, or from uh, Abraham to the Babylonian ex David to the Babylonian exile. 14 generations and 14 generations to Jesus Christ. And then the very next part of Matthew takes us into the birth. Now why is this important? You've got to understand that a lot of people have been invited to this. Down through the history, it's always been God's plan that everyone be invited. For God so loved the world, Corey said it a moment ago, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will, everybody's invited. I, I want us to look, am I making sense? 
Let's look for just a few moments this morning at a few people in this story. And I'm actually going to start in the book of, of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Because I try to put maybe, just maybe, what these might have looked like in chronological order. And the Bible's not written necessarily in chronological order. Somebody say, thank the Lord. But let's just start very quickly at what it looks like to get very different invitations. There's a guy by the name of Zechariah. And Zechariah is this man of God. He works in the temple. He and his wife are a strong, loving couple. They love God. They've served God their entire life. They're older in years. But as he went in one day to the temple to to offer up incense, and what that simply meant was his, his job for those few weeks a year that he would work, they would all rotate, and he would go in and, and burn the incense, and the people would wait outside because whatever he was offering up, that was a prayer unto the Lord. And typically when there was a prayer unto the Lord like that, he would pray, he would hear a word from the Lord, maybe a prophetic word or whatever the word was for the people that they were forgiven, that their sins were forgiven, the sacrifices were received, and then he would go out and tell the people... You're blessed. So he goes into the, into the temple, and while he's praying, an angel shows up. Here's what the word says. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. And he tells him he's going to have a son. His name's going to be John. And he's going to lead many people to the Christ. And, and Zechariah, now this is very important, he says, how is this going to happen? The angel says this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself, but I just want to drive a few points home, and, and we've got plenty of time this morning, but this is just good stuff. I don't know that it was punishment that he told Zechariah, you're not going to be able to talk. A lot of wives would consider that a blessing. But until these things are fulfilled, you're not going to be able to talk. Now, this is what's happening in that passage, but I, I just, when I look at the others who we're going to be looking at in just a moment, there's a couple of differences that I see. It, it's, it's different if one of our toddlers come up in church and say, you know what? I don't believe what we talked about this morning. But when someone who's been in the church for years, when somebody who's been studying the Word, and somebody who knows the Word of God, and somebody who's been waiting on the Messiah, and someone who's been trusting God, and then God gives them a word, and the first thing out of their mouth is, how's this going to happen? Um, his invitation became silence. Here's how, here's how you're going to finally get it. You're not going to be able to talk about it. Now, can I give you a little bit of a take on that? I, I know I'm taking some, some privilege here, but I, I think sometimes God would rather those of us who have been in the faith for years, if we truly don't believe, just don't say anything. 
Don't cause there to be more doubt. If you doubt, just be quiet. Well, pastor, we have to be careful because children will believe anything. Exactly. That's why Jesus says, come as a child. That if you come as a child, that's how you will enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because children really do believe that God can do anything. Children, children believe. They're upstairs right now believing. They're upstairs right now believing that Jesus Christ came and that Jesus Christ died on a cross and that Jesus Christ is coming again. And, and if we're not careful, am I making any sense or just... If we're not careful, we, we can put ourselves in a position where, God, I know you've done it all for everybody else, but I just, I just don't know. No talking for nine months. Okay, now here's what I think is funny. It's, it's rather humorous to me. Because the people, if you read the rest of that passage, the people are standing outside the temple waiting for him to come out to give them a word. And he's been in there for a while, and it says that the people are starting to say, Where is, we need, I need a word, man. <laughs> I came to have all my sins forgiven. I need a word from God. I, I, need, I need to hear something. And, and then he walks out of the temple, and all they get is, for nine months. Now, I hope you don't think I'm trying to be silly this morning. But I really do believe that there's a part of us that we just need to learn to not talk. It's the good old if you don't have anything good to say. Don't talk. Pastor, I'm not sure if that's a good invitation. Yeah. Um, I, I, I promise you um, there will be a lot more peace if you just don't talk. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Everybody just stop talking. Now, what has this got to do with the birth of Christ? If, if you read on in that next part of chapter 1 in, in Luke, it takes us straight into Joseph. <coughs> or Mary, sorry. In Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 30, uh, Gabriel has approached Mary, this young virgin. She's probably about 13, 14 years old. I know you all know the story. It's not that I'm trying to convince you of the story. I just want you to put her, you, yourself in her place. Because just a few verses earlier, just a few moments earlier, God tells through an angel Gabriel, this is going to happen, and a man of God at work in the temple says, Really? Are you serious, God? Don't talk. But now Mary, she's hearing this powerful, powerful thing that God's going to do through her, what God is going to do in her, the plans God has for her. And this little 14-year-old girl says, but how is this going to be? Because, see, there's a difference between You've been in the Word all your life. How is this going to be? Can, can I just stop real quick and say this? We just need to start believing what we say we believe. If you get in the Word, start believing the Word. We, get, we want to get too apologetic on everything. I'm not against apologetics. But uh, if you're not careful, though, apologetics gets you tiptoeing around, not wanting to offend anybody's feelings or belief 
rather than you just living it out not to offend somebody but just live it out just be good when you're supposed to be good be quiet when you're supposed to be quiet don't say anything negative you could have just still said amen over there <laughs> don't stop amen now that's not that's not what i'm talking about <clears throat> it's it and what, what would it have been if 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 mary hung out with zachariah too long he'd have had to learn sign language to tell her be careful that's not sign language by the way <laughs> Uh, be careful because if an angel ever shows up just tell him yes just say yes to everything well we know that didn't happen because even mary said how is this going to happen and i love what gabriel says to her he says i I, don't be afraid for you have found favor with god behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, now she's just wondering how she's going to conceive. I don't know that she really understands everything there is to know about the Messiah coming. She may have. I know she was raised around Zechariah in the temple. But, But what I do understand is that God was asking her to do something that was impossible. God was asking her to do something that was impossible. God was asking Zechariah to do something that was possible, but because of his age, improbable. But he was asking Mary to do something impossible. And he said, here's how it's going to happen. So, so in this setting, very quickly, am I making any sense? In, this, in these two settings here, their invitations come from angels. But I love in the book of Matthew when we see Joseph. His invitation comes from a dream. You see, I believe God speaks to us in different ways. I believe God maybe uses a Sunday morning, then for some of us, God uses a grace group. For some of us, God uses a flat tire. Hello? You ever pray when you break down? You ever, you ever have something go wrong and you maybe say a few things that you shouldn't say? I, I've never done that, but you say, you say a few things that you shouldn't say or you think a few thoughts that you shouldn't think or you do a few things that you shouldn't do and, and then while you're changing that tire or while you're trying to get a tow truck or while you're trying to get something done, the next thing you know, you're, you're trying to have a little talk with Jesus. Because it's amazing how your prayer life will get turned around. It's amazing how things just sort of happen when that pressure hits, when those things that you didn't plan on going hit. And, and that's what Joseph was experiencing. Because Joseph was trying to help plan a wedding. And then he started hearing these rumors. Yeah, uh, heard your girlfriend's in a way. Heard your girlfriend is uh, you guys been practicing. And he's like, what are you talking about? And so he's already secretly trying to figure out how can I put her away without causing shame? You see, we're not talking about a culture that practiced guilt and innocence necessarily as as much as it was shame. 
And before he put her to shame, he would rather divorce her and let her go and put her somewhere far away where nobody would know what was going on. And then she could just go on her life and he'd go on his life. But while he was asleep, an angel came to him and said, no, change your plans. Change your plans. I I know you were doing what you think is right. But see, when you get an invitation from God, you, you will have to change your plans. There's just times when what you had planned will have to change. Um, I hope this has never happened to anybody, but you ever get like two or three invitations to weddings from two or three different people, and they're all on like the same weekend? And you realize this is not going to be possible. So you have to make a choice. And you change your plans on, on what you were doing to try to do whatever you have to do to make that happen. Now, I'm just saying, invitations will do that to you. You will have to change your plans. Joseph had plans to put her away. Joseph had plans to divorce her. But here's what the Word of God says in Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 20. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Um... I'm just sort of thinking what Zachariah would have said. Um, you know, Zachariah would have probably, um, I'm reading into this, I know, but if Zachariah, Lord, I, I've, I've heard all that before, Lord. I've heard that from young couples before, Lord. Please give me a break. Um, Lord, please um, don't, you know, please you prove it to me, Lord the doubt, the fear. But there's something about a young man who really loves his to-be wife, but now he's crushed because she's expecting. And in all that anger and all that anguish, the angel says, she's going to be your wife. She'll bear a son. And you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. Now again, we're talking about you receiving an invitation to the incarnation. What does the incarnation mean? Incarnation means when the divine becomes flesh. Not with, like Dr. Bucci was talking about this morning, not with the divine fills a fleshly object with its spirit. Jesus wasn't a man who was just filled with the spirit of God. Jesus was God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, three in one, he became flesh, John 1, 14 says. And so with God with us, that's, that's simply saying, listen, whatever you're going through, God is with us. And I'm going to prove this because I want you to Marry this wife. She's been filled with the Holy Spirit. There's been a conception that's taken place. Something's begun in her life, and I want you to see it through. I just need to let that to speak to somebody this morning. And I'm not talking about having babies. It may be to somebody this morning about having babies. I don't know. That's church growth, too. But I believe for some of you, God's birthed something in you, and you've just not seen it. 
so you've started making other plans. God's birthed something in you, but you've just not seen it come to fruition. And what God is saying is, no, listen, I love one translation says, this holy thing that God has birthed in you. See, there's something that God has birthed in all of you. And sometimes it's come to fruition and it's not what you thought. But in many cases, it's still not come to fruition. It's not even birthed yet. And what God is saying is, no, I know you've got plans, but, but many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is my plans, thus saith the Lord, that prevail. So I want you to, to marry her. I want you to see this through. Mary, I want you to, to trust God and what I'm telling you is going to happen. Zechariah, I want you to be quiet. But let me ask you something. What's God telling you? What's God speaking to you? Where's your level of faith? We've not even got to the shepherds or the wise men yet. I'm trying to hurry. But I, I'm asking you, what, what's your level of faith? What's that thing that you've given up on? What's that thing that, that maybe it's embarrassing? Maybe, maybe you've got a Rahab in the closet. Maybe there's a Ruth from a different place, and there's a part of your life that nobody knows about. But can I tell you, God, God wants to show himself mighty in those things that nobody knows about, that, that stuff that you're going through, that, that you've given up on. Can I tell you that God somehow can put things together? It may not look the same at all as it did last year, last week, or six years ago. But when God puts things back together, <coughs> Emmanuel happens. God is with us. It's amazing how God works through, through our brokenness. Amen? I see, the, I see the shepherds. We find them again in the book of Matthew. <coughs> Excuse me. And I see the shepherds, and they're, they're just out doing their job. We know the shepherds were the, the lower class of society. No one really paid attention to them. They just knew they were taking care of the sheep. But I look at the shepherds more of blue-collar worker, man. They get their hands dirty. They take care of the stuff that needs to be taken care of. If things get broken, they know how to fix it. They're not interior decorators. They're contractors. That was a bad joke. You'll get it later, though. So what happens with them? They get an invitation. You know the story we talked about a little bit last week. An angel comes and tells them good news. In the city of David, there's born a Savior. Not just for you, not just for you, not just for you, but for all the world. They drop what they're doing and they go to worship Him. Now this is powerful because when they received an invitation, whatever they were doing wasn't really important anymore. I'm not telling you, even when Jesus calls his disciples, the Bible talks about them dropping what they were doing and following him. This isn't about leaving your work tomorrow. This is about making him priority. This is about making sure you know who he is, the first priority in your life. Very quickly, I think of the wise men. Now, the wise men were learned men. The wise men were, were scholars. The wise men were academics. The wise men were doctors, lawyers, teachers, scientists. That they cover the whole gamut. And we, we do know that the wise men probably had access and had studied the prophecies. 
because at that time when the star appeared, when they saw it in the heavens, they said, there it is. That star we've been reading about, that, that sign we've been reading about, that sign that for years we've heard our forefathers talking about in astrology and science, there it is. So what did they do? They wrote a book about it. No. They started to follow him. They acted on it. And they followed. The Bible isn't even real clear about how long they followed. Some say that Jesus was probably about two years old when they finally found him. The reason I know that these were uh, upper-class men is because when they got to the city, they immediately had the, the company of King Herod. It wasn't like they had to go through a lot of red tape. King Herod just heard that there were three businessmen in town who knew what they were talking about and said, hey, can you tell us where the king was born? King Herod brings them in and says, listen, and he's lying. When you find him, I want to worship him too. But the Bible says that when they left, they saw the star. What am I trying to say? The star was their invitation. But they had to act on it. Now this is a real different sermon. I can tell by the looks on your faces. I'm trying to tell you that God speaks to you in very different ways. See, depending on your personalities, depending on how God has wired you, um, uh, maybe, you know, I, anybody in here would say, well, if an angel comes, obviously, pastor, talk to Zachariah. If I'll really believe it if an angel comes. You don't believe it when somebody stands in front of you and tells you. And so what, what happens when an angel comes is you go into cardiac arrest and everybody thinks you're crazy. He says he saw an angel. Well, I'm not saying we, we don't see angels. I'm going to, believe me, we're starting a series in January. All of January, guys, is 2020. Don't laugh out loud on this. This is awesome. 2020, vision for the rest of your life. And we're going to start off with prayer and fasting. And I want you to know there's an enemy who wants to take your soul, but in the power of Jesus Christ, he can't. And through prayer and through fasting, we're going to pull down strongholds. But, but I believe, I believe that today, it's about embracing the fact that not just God really came and we're going to have a Christmas party tonight, we're going to have a blast tonight. But it's more about if Jesus really came, can I see him at work in my life? Can I see him at work in my family? Yes, you can. But I, I want you to start taking advantages of the invitations he gives you. What could some of those invitations look like? It might be as simple as just being nice. It might, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't believe, I, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. If I know I'm really an angry person and I try to be nice. No, we would just appreciate it. That's what we're saying. If you're just an angry person and you're trying to be nice, we're going to just, we're going to have a party for that because that's a good thing. It's not just behavior modification. It's not getting arrested. All right? I'm not trying to be silly. You know how many people are in jail right now because they just lost their temper on the interstate? You know, people are in jail right now because they just lost their temper in the store and, I mean, they just got stupid and they just got arrested. Now, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you 
It's not behavior modification. It's growing up. And it's, it's saying, Jesus, I see you at work in my life, and I'm following you. But pastor, what about suffering? What about the suffering that I'm going through right now? I'm hurting inside. It's painful. This can't be of God. It may not be of God, but it can point you to Jesus. It may not be of God, but it can point you straight to Jesus. I saw a well-known uh, late-night comic talking with Anderson Cooper. Maybe you saw the, the interview. It happened last August. And Anderson Cooper was talking with him about how that he had lost, um, lost his father and lost, or lost his mother several years earlier and was still grieving through that process. And he said, but I, I heard, and I didn't know this about Stephen Colbert, but he, he said, I, I heard that, that Stephen, when you were 10 years old, your father and your two brothers were killed in a plane accident. All at the same time. And Stephen Colbert said this. He said, yes. And it was painful, and I grieved. But you know what I realized? And he quoted from The Hobbit. He said, I, I realized that if I really exist in this life, suffering comes with it. Jesus talks about suffering. Jesus talks about it in terms like this. If you are my disciples, take up your cross and follow me. Now, Pastor, well, how, how is taking up a cross suffering? You ever pick one up? And there's only one thing you do on a cross, guys. You die. What he's saying is, pick up that thing that you must constantly die. Pick up that. When you're always carrying a cross, it's a good reminder that you're supposed to be dead. But we're not the sacrifice. He is, exactly. And we're to be imitators of Christ. And so I spend, listen, I'm your pastor, and I spend most of my time and most of my days, you can ask my beautiful wife, she's sitting in here. I spend most of my days trying to make sure I'm crucifying the flesh. Why? Because I, I know you won't believe this, but I say stupid stuff sometimes. I say things that, that I wish I could take back, but they're, they're, they're there. <laughs> And it's not about just learning how to apologize a lot. It's about being willing to say, the next time I'm even feeling that, I'm going to make sure I feel the weight of that cross because I know I've got to crucify the flesh. And I'm, I really am a different man. I'm a different person. I'm a different husband. I'm a different father. When I make sure I pick up my cross, pastor, why am I having to go through what I'm going through? Because God causes all things to work together for the he doesn't say things will always be good. He says in this world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What in the world has this got to do with the birth of Jesus Christ? He came. When they went to the manger, everything he told Mary happened. When they went to the manger, everything he told Joseph happened. When the, when the shepherds went to the manger, everything the angels said happened. When the, when the wise men finally showed up, they all rejoiced, laid their gifts before Christ's child. They worshiped him. Why? Because everything they had studied, everything they had heard, everything they had done, it happened. And you know what? When John the Baptist was born, um, every child was supposed to be named after their father. So everybody in the village expected John the, uh, 
Zechariah to name his son Zechariah Jr. But while the mother was trying to get them to understand that's not going to be his name, John or Zechariah speaks his first words in nine months. His name will be John. Why? Because what the angel said happened. He had the son. That, that really wasn't the miracle. I think the miracle was he couldn't talk for nine months. Can I tell you what you can leave here with today? In the fullness of time, God sent his son. When the time was right, people started seeing the signs. See, I'm a firm believer that for a lot of us here today, it's not that we haven't said we believe, it's that we've not really followed the signs or trusted what God is doing to get us to where God's taking us. You don't even need to get to a manger today. We're way past the manger. He's been to the cross. It's, it's really, are you willing to follow him wherever he's leading and guiding and directing what is that thing we've been talking about this in Nehemiah for weeks upon weeks what is that thing that God's laid on your heart what is that thing that God is doing in you that you keep nudging away that you keep sort of just nobody will ever know I'll, I'll just I'll deal with that later I'll deal with that when I need to there just comes a point where you're not going to be able to move forward anymore until you deal with that thing that God is calling you to like, like Zachariah, please stand. Like Zachariah, you sort of feel like you've just been put in a corner and told to be quiet. That's not what it's about. It, it might be like, like Mary or Joseph. Things are happening in your life that are incredible. The potential of embarrassment is incredible. The Bible doesn't tell us, but you can only imagine the rumor mill. But I wonder what the rumor mill was like when they came walking in with the Messiah. You see, the things that God wants to do in your life may sometimes not make sense. The things that God wants to, to walk you through may not feel good. They may not make sense. It may not resonate. But I promise you, when you follow those invitations that God sends along the way, it may come through a person. It may come through a prayer. It may come through situations at work that just don't make sense. But I want to encourage you this morning to trust him. Trust him. And as God continues to lead and guide and direct, when you come to him, worship. Worship. Am I making sense? So what is God saying to you this morning? I want us to pray. And whatever it is, whatever it is that God is speaking to you, whatever those invitations are, it's an invitation to experience the power and the presence of God. Because he became Emmanuel. After his resurrection, he arose, he ascended, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he's still speaking to us today. And I assure you that where God is leading you, he's with us every step of the way. In your marriages, in your workplace, in your families, whatever the circumstances are. And it's easy, I'm going to pray, it's easy to say... It's, it's too late. Can I lovingly tell you 
be quiet. It's not going to work. You know. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I believe God could easily be telling some of us this morning, those plans you've made, good plans, but I've, I've got other plans. Those things you're putting your mind to, that's good stuff, but I need you to believe me and where I'm leading you right now. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to you today on this beautiful Sunday morning. Lord, as we celebrate this season that we have designated to remind ourselves of who you are and what you've done, that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. Lord, it's not about just going through the motions, but we are reminded today that you are still inviting us to a powerful life. You are still inviting us to a life everlasting. You are still inviting us to walk in victory. You are still inviting us that, that with you all things are possible. That even if our circumstances look incredibly difficult and they look impossible, improbable, whatever the circumstances are, God, we know that with you all things are possible. Let faith rise in us this morning. And God, I speak to families, I speak to individuals, I speak to relationships. Lord, in this time of the year when, when people are the loneliest, when people feel forsaken, when people feel forgotten, God, it may take an angel. And Lord, right now, I just pray for angels to start cropping up all over this church. But Lord, I also pray that, that we understand that sometimes we are the angel that speaks into someone's life. And so God, I pray that we listen carefully to your word. I pray, God, that we are sensitive to the move of your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, when we realize we have seen and behold you, we just worship. Now, God, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.